Hey friend, before we get into today's episode, I have a question for you. Actually, I have a couple. Do you long to let go of expectations, obligations, and distractions? Do you long to live with more peace, presence, and purpose? And do you wish you could do less and live more? Then I want to invite you to a new mini course called Do Less, Live More. It's going live in September, and then you'll be able to access it via replay. On it, I'll give you my five-step roadmap to get you on your way to doing less of what doesn't matter so you can live more of what does. But seats are limited, so make sure to go and get your ticket at lissafiggins.com forward slash more. In the course, you'll learn how to clarify your one thing to focus on that will make the biggest difference in your life. You'll learn to create space and break free from the distractions. And you'll learn to commit to creating a plan and taking action on the right things. Do you want to reach your destination and enjoy the journey? Then you don't want to miss out on this. Remember, we'll be live in September, and after that, replays will be available. So go get all the info and your ticket at lissafiggins.com forward slash more. Now let's get to today's episode. What's a girl to do to redirect her mindset to build in daily habits so she can be on a healthy path? That's what we're going to rethink on this episode. But first, I want to invite you to check out our new Be Well Club. If you found wellness to be complicated with all the advice out there or all that's on your plate, you'll definitely want to join us. We're working together on wellness in every area of our life and making it simple. Join me for a free Be Well webinar where I'll be sharing six daily habits plus the one key to finally making it stick. You can RSVP for the link at lissafiggins.com forward slash be well, or just click the link in the show notes. And did you hear the news? The best part of the conversation is now happening after the episode in my Facebook community called Women Repurposed After 40. You can find the link in the show notes to join us for all the fun and extra goodies. And if you enjoy this podcast and think it would add value for someone else, it would mean the world to me if you leave a review at podchaser.com. I'll drop a link in the show notes or on your favorite podcast platform. Your support helps us share this message with more women like you, and your name will go in our monthly drawing. So you may be asking, what's a girl to do if she wants to get her name in the drawing? I'm so glad you asked. There are two simple ways. One, leave a review on podchaser.com, or two, screenshot an episode, post on social, and tag me at Lissa Figgins. Now let's rethink our path. I'm super excited to introduce you to my friend, Tony. Tony is a health educator, a coach, a dietitian, and a podcast host of PATH, Positive Approaches to Health. And she is also driven by a passion and commitment to helping people live healthier lives and to thrive. And what I love is that Tony believes that we can all create our own formula built on habits and routines that allow us to feel our best. So Tony, thank you so much for being with us today. Let's start out by getting to know you a little bit. Tell us a little bit more about you and your world and how you got to what you're doing today. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I feel like it was cosmic intervention that we met and now we have this little friendship through Clubhouse and otherwise, and I've just been thrilled to make this connection. So thank you so much for having me. And I'd love to tell you a little bit about my curvy path along the way. I think I think I was driven into the world of nutrition early on because I grew up with um, a mother who was very focused on healthy eating. She was kind of ahead of her time in the 60s. She was 
looking into a lot of unique things in the plant-based world. It wasn't called that then, but that's what she was doing. And looking into superfoods, even though they weren't called that, antioxidants, again, those weren't terms being used, but my mother was a pioneer that way. And I just thought, wow, this is so interesting. She was also an athlete. And so I got to see the relationship between food and performance, even if it wasn't so clear, you know, not such a clear line. But then later when I became an athlete, I realized, wow, this is huge. I can have this advantage of eating healthy, eating these foods that allow me to perform better. And so I think over time, it just evolved into an interest in nutrition. But truth be told, I had no idea what I would do in the area of nutrition because, you know, it wasn't so clear those days how broad the spectrum was of facets you could go into nutrition it was quite limiting. There were things like food service, clinical, you know, and I, I didn't see myself as any of those early on. So in undergrad, I was like, oh, what do I do? You know, do I go the path, the internship, and then the exam, or do I do my own thing? And I mentioned this because I feel like life is a series of junctures or um, paths that open up for you and you have moments of decisions. Do I go this way or that way? And everyone's life is like that. But even though I was a little concerned that I was a bit of a square peg in a round hole, you know, looking at this field, I went forward and I moved to Chicago and did my internship. Hardest year of my life academically and otherwise. And again, it was rigor and, and so much work, but I thought there's a reason why I'm here. What is it? What is it? You know? Mm -hmm. And I know your podcast and your materials are all repurposed life. And I think I was looking for my purpose in my field. And I did, I did feel wayward at the time and worried that I wasn't in the right spot, but all it took was a rotation in public health for me to realize, Holy smokes, this is why I'm here. And it was a moment where things crystallized. I was able to use my Spanish. I, I studied in Mexico City and in Spain uh, early on, and I got to weave my Spanish into nutrition care, which was like this unexpected gift to be able to connect to people and help people who otherwise might not have someone say, hey, how can we help you, your family through nutrition? So that was a big light bulb moment. It was a moment where I realized this is why I'm here. And it began sort of a unique trajectory through public health jobs that I had early on, grad school, I continued on in public health, but expanding more into things like curriculum development and uh, research mm -hmm. and things like that. And that was in, in Minnesota, I did my graduate work there. And then I returned back to California, worked at Stanford for a while, and then realized, man, I really, I was in research at the time and I loved it again, using my Spanish. And I thought, oh, this is all great. And actually what I loved most about that work was well, there were two things, direct service, you know, to populations, education, but I loved the behavior change theories and the models we were using in our studies, but I missed direct service. I missed kind of that one-on-one -on -one and group classes. And that's when I happened upon the job I do now, which is basically helping folks find, as you said, in my intro, their formula, how it is that they can create a custom plan toward lifelong health and feeling great and sort of just how do I thrive? What's my, my uh, template or my key, you know, my tools that I need to feel good, 
you know, and, and live a high quality life. I love that. And what really stood out to me in every area of what you just described was that your path was not straight, right? I think so often we want to come out of, you know, graduation from high school and just be like, I'm in the beeline for this one thing in life. And that's what, you know, that's what this is all about. And you're right, because either sometimes we come out of the gates and we have no idea, we see everybody else running and we're like, yeah, I don't even know where I want to go. Or, you know, and so we're just kind of like standing there, like, you know, don't even know what to do. Or, you know, we start going down a path and then like you found out, yeah, this is not what I want to be doing. This is not what's right. And so then we make, you know, correct course corrections, or like you said, come to those junctures and go different places. But isn't that how we, I mean, I think that makes the journey so amazing, right? Like what, you know, how different do you think it would be if it was that straight line versus the curvy line? Would you want a journey like that? You know, uh, of course, the the 50 plus year old Tony says, no way. You know, along the way, <laughs> along the way, I was like, heck, why is this so hard? But I realized it's just like you're saying along the way that that curvy path and all the twists and turns led to my ability to rule out things that weren't the right fit for me, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. learn about myself, look, meet people I wouldn't otherwise have met. You know, I believe truly, not to sound too cheesy, but I think that that path was what my path was supposed to be. Even yes. those hard times, those grueling times when I second guessed or felt at the bottom of the barrel, those were growing periods for me. And everyone feels that way. I know when you stop and think, but to to now, you know, come to this point where I have this podcast with my dear friend that is called Path is a bit, a bit a bit um, like my brain wants to explode at the, the irony. That's right. (laughs) I know. It's just so amazing when you think about the visual and the life lessons that can come from that. And you wouldn't be the person you are today if it weren't for all those things and all those people and all those, you know, circumstances along your path. And that's what makes us that way. I I had a conversation with some women inside of a clubhouse uh, room a few months ago. And one of the ladies in there was in her seventies. There's a lady in her sixties, a lady in her fifties, and then me in my forties. So I felt like the little kid, right. Just like sitting at their feet and like, you know, teach me. And I want to learn from your wisdom. And, you know, and and the woman who was, who was in her seventies made a comment that she felt like maybe she had taken some wrong turns in, in her path. And I just said, I'm going to have to disagree with you. Like, I don't think there are any wrong turns. I just think there are turns. And, you know, if, if you get to that point of realizing this is not, you know, the direction I want to go, then you make that correction. But, you know, it's all a part of that, especially when it comes to what, you know, who we are and what we're doing, you know, in life. But I see the parallels too, when it comes to our, our health as well, because again, right. I mean, all of us, well, I would say most of us come out of the womb, you know, healthy and vibrant and, you know, have energy. And yet you look by, I mean, even now, sometimes in elementary years, you're seeing a big difference between kids, but, you know, by mid, mid teens, even into twenties and thirties, you know, there's a big difference in the health of different people because of that path that they were on. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, that health side of things, since that's what you're, you know, passionate about as well. What do you see are some of those things that make our path so windy when it comes to our health? Oof, that's a, that is a million dollar question there. It is so multifaceted, really, if you think Mm -hmm. about it. And I I know a lot of the listeners already know this, but I think it's important to swirl these things around when we think about the 
complicated nature of behavior change, because of course, Mm. we have an environment that we're working with. And, you know, it used to be 20 years ago, we'd say the, the, the United States, unfortunately, is leading the way in the types of foods that we have available and, you know, the lack of exercise, we were sort of outliers then. And unfortunately, that's now global, where it's a combination of mm-hmm. easing into sedentary lifestyles, being programmed and, and falling into these lifestyles that we don't move as much. And all of the easily yeah. accessible foods are, you know, highly palatable, often highly processed, you know, I'm not saying we don't have a say in it, but that environment at a baseline makes it tricky. So you have that, which we, we share, um, we have our own histories with food, mm-hmm. you know, our own relationships with food, our own experiences with whether it's food, you know, fitness, maybe something that you experienced, uh, with somebody saying something about your weight or what have you. So there's mm-hmm. that, those hobgoblins, you know, that, that float around yeah. too. So we have those, Um, I do believe that, and I'll I'll narrow it down to the nutrition side, because that's my my bailiwick, is that I think the key piece and the big shifts that I've seen with people I've worked with is that going from I don't know how to feeling empowered and skilled and in some level of confidence in grabbing the reins for behavior change, whether that's, you know, fitness well, again, I think to nutrition, I think about just confidence in the kitchen, even with basic skills combined with, you know, peppering in knowledge there. And of course, the knowledge is important, but we have this preponderance of information. But if it doesn't trickle down into how to's and practical skills, that disconnect is what leads, I believe, to this disparity. Yes, I think I often say most people, most listeners who are listening right now do not need to be told that they should drink more water that they should exercise and move more, that they should get, go to sleep sooner or earlier, that they should, you know, eat whole foods. Like we all know that, right? So why is there this gap between the knowing and the doing, right? I, I think that gap is often filled with excuses, you know, and it, and it can be some of these related to some of these things around, of you know, our environment, like you said, and so maybe it's just the convenience of things and what's available or, you know, like, like I love how you hit on just our past, which can be our personal past. It can be our family history around food and health and wellness and what was, you know, what we were taught, you know, growing up and then also just what, what skills we have. And, you know, and so, but yet, like you said, we all have the choice, you know, like, yes, these things may be part of our path, but we still have a choice as to how we respond to those and what we do with them. Do you agree? And with that, and I think threaded through many of the things you just mentioned, because I do believe there's a through line that goes through many of those, and that is agency. And I do believe that for some folks, because you're right, there there is so much knowledge, I would argue too much information often, um, that there's there's an issue of taking all this information and relating it and making it practical into key messages, but then like we said, both of us said the how to's, the skills, and that at the end of the day, agency is the the secret sauce. You know, when you own it, when you realize, mm-hmm. okay, you know, people can care about my health, of course. Others want me to do well. I want to do well, but unless I own it and make it mm-hmm. mine, then it's all fleeting. It's all temporary, and and that's where I think the one piece that I didn't mention, which I feel is important, is role models. Yes. Yes. 
So I'll talk about that. Why do you think role models are important and how can that feed into this? So I think there's a few things. I think we, um, of course, the inspirational side of things is always nice. Mm -hmm. You know, you have someone where you go, wow, look what he or she can do. Um, I think being able to relate to people again from a, you know, they're sort of the pie in the sky people that, you know, inspire. You've got, you know, I mean, right now we've got Simone Biles, right? We're looking at her in the Olympics and going, oh my God, she's inspiring me on so many levels from mental health to this crazy skilled gymnast, but you know, there's those people that have a place, but then there's also, I think a tier of, of role models that are relatable. Now they may be peers or family members or community members, or maybe even someone you find on, in a social media that you said before we started recording that you can know, like, and trust who you say, Oh, Mm -hmm. they're breaking it down into real life. Uh, They struggle like me And I honestly think that's why this work for me has been so important in my whole career is that I'm in the trenches too. You know, I, I, Mm -hmm. I had weight issues, have had them most of my life, have dealt with uh, different times in my life where I've been maybe in a better rhythm and and everything was sort of firing on all cylinders and then things crumble, right? That just is life. And, and I, so I think seeing people go through the realities of behavior change and realizing Oh, I can learn from them. I can learn with them. There's this sort of vicarious benefit. And I think mm-hmm. that, I mean, I'm only topping the, this top layer of what role models do, but I do believe that, that that's such a critical component and, and they're everywhere. You know, I don't, I don't, like I sp- started off with my mom. Of course, she's my number one. Absolutely. Sure. My number one role model. Not everybody has a mom like that, but that doesn't mean you can't access someone somewhere. Right. right. Yes. And I like the fact that when it's somebody who's real, you know, I mean, the people who we see on social media, they're real too. Right. But we don't, we usually see the highlight reels. We're not seeing the whole story. We're not seeing the every day when they were getting up or pushing themselves or struggling in front of the refrigerator, just like the rest of us do. So when we find those people that are willing to share the vulnerabilities, and I think that's something that's come out in the past couple of years is that people who are more, you know, uh, influential, so to speak, um, are sharing the struggles too. to say, yeah, I didn't just end up here overnight. You know, it may look like it, but the, here's the journey that, that I've, that I've been on. So I know that, you know, you and I are both reading, um, atomic habits right now, which is an amazing book when it comes to, you know, working on habits and bringing about change and things like that. And one of the quotes that just hit me, like you said earlier, between the eyes was right near the beginning. He said, we don't rise to the level of our goals. We fall to the level of our habits. And I just was like, wow. I mean, how often have we set a goal of I'm going to run this race or I'm going to lose this weight or I'm going to, you know, start this business or whatever it is. But if we don't have those daily habits that are in line with that goal, you know, we're, we're not going to reach it. And it's going to be another new year's that we're saying, I'm going to do it this year. I'm going to do it this year. So let's talk about some practical things that if someone's listening right now and they're saying, okay, I will, I do want to, you know, see some positive changes. I do want to be on a positive path towards health. Like what your, uh, your podcast talked about, what would be some practical tools or tips, uh, that people can start doing to start moving in that direction or change the direction where they're going right now? So, yes, I'm a, I'm, I'm a huge James Clear fan. In fact, I've incorporated so many of his little nuggets into my classes and my counseling, I now refer to him as Jimmy C. 
He's no longer James. <laughs> Love it. He's Jimmy C. So my, my coworkers give me grief because I actually toggle between a lot of James Clear's work and Adam Grant's work. Do you follow Adam Grant okay. at all? No, I'm writing it down. Tell, tell, say that out loud for those who are just listening. Sure. This is Think Again, uh, The Power of Knowing What You Don't Know by Adam Grant. He is an incredible uh, behavioral, I think a behavioral organizer, behavioral psychologist. I can't remember his actual title, but I listen to his podcast. I, it's called Work Life. I listen to conversations he has with great thinkers all the time. People like Malcolm Gladwell, um, athletes, uh, Brene Brown, he is out there taking material and information that one might think fits into a work scenario, but it all just threads through our lives and behaviors and the way we approach things. So the reason why I bring him up in the context of this is because, like I said, I feel like there's so much go between here, even though one is basically, you know, Jimmy C is all about habits. I think the backdrop of habits is how we think. I guess that's why I really wanted to bring that. Yes. Yes. You're going to love this so much. Okay. So I can't wait. (laughs) Maybe it'll help when you're on your travels, you can have that book. But one of the reasons why I bring it up right now is that I think that one of the hugest parts for me and for a lot of my clients has been when it comes to changing behaviors and working toward habits, I think we all have to do some deep dives into the assumptions we make about ourselves. Mm, okay. You have us more about that. Yeah, we all have them. You know, they're the kind of the tapes that play uh, our past experiences and how those show up when we're trying to do things. And so, and I'm not trying to get super woo woo or you know into counseling or you know psychology necessarily, but it, it's interwoven so deeply into mm-hmm. this. I think that being super aware is very helpful. Noticing. Um, not just your daily routines and whatnot, because that can help you hone in on where to start with some of these small changes, but also noticing what's happening as far as the tapes that are playing. Uh, when when we tell ourselves like, and I'll just use extreme examples, sort of my Eeyore, it'll never work, right, or, right, you know, right. oh, when's the other shoe going to drop? And all of those play into uh, behavior change. So I think acknowledging those and, and making space for them. Because mm-hmm. just like if I were to tell you, oh, I'm just not sure I can do it, you would say, well, what, 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 what's this about? And how do we move forward here? Mm-hmm. A friend would do that for you, but we tend to not do that for ourselves. We either take mm-hmm. it as gospel and that's it. You're right. It'll never work. Or it just drags us down deeper. Whereas if we make space for it and treat our own self, self-talk and tapes and explore them as if those were uh, something our child said or a good friend said, how would you respond to them? Sure. Right. So differently. Isn't that amazing? And if we were to actually literally write down the things that we say to ourselves, I think we would be so shocked, you know, because you're right. We would never say those things out loud to someone else. Or if we heard them say those out loud, we wouldn't just let them go or say, oh, yep, you're right. You know, like we would definitely address that. And yet it's, you're right. It's so different with ourselves. And, you know, one of the things you hit on earlier in our conversation was, you know, if, if it's because of what someone else wants for you, it's going to be short lived. And I think the same is true when it comes to this as well, that there's another quote that I share often, you can't have a healthy body in an unhealthy mind because it's only, I mean, you can change behavior on the outside for maybe a short period of time, but if you still have those tapes, if you still have those 
those self-limiting beliefs that are playing in your head, those healthy habits, those positive habits, in whether it's health or life or whatever, are not going to stick around, right? Because that tape, when we listen to that, you know, our, our brain gets to work on, on what we tell it. So being aware of it. Yes. So, so key in grabbing that. Oh, absolutely. And it's funny because when you were just speaking, what came to mind, because you and I have shared this too, we love behavior change models and, you know, I'm a junkie for sure. I think about the term of internal locus of control, you know, like learning to realize this is mine. Or again, I'm circling back to agency. These things don't happen overnight, but they involve Mm -hmm. that sustained, um, like, grace and, and, and generosity and impatience with ourselves because, you know, it's just like he says, um, now I'm back to James Clear, and, and I know you know this analogy, but, you know, when he talks about how these little itty bitty things that we can do, the cumulative effect of these little itty bitty things, we also have to allow ourselves, and that's why he chose atomic, right? Because he wanted to go down to mm-hmm. the atomic level, small, small levels. Mm-hmm. These itty bitsies, when they're added together, are what change lives. So we have to be yeah. patient with those small things, not go for the grandiose 180, you know, binary. I'm either all in or all out. We're going to live in that gray area. We have to tolerate that. And that is also yeah. an assumption to challenge. Life and behavior change happens in the gray, not in mm. the perfection or the, you know, wild you know, off the, off the rails behaviors either. It's here in the middle, not super comfy, but it's where the magic happens. I absolutely love that because I think you're right. We want to be all in, you know, if I'm doing this, I'm going to be all in right. Versus what if I just choose one small thing to do today, which reminds me of another book that I'll throw out there since we've been throwing out some great reads, the compound effect by Darren Hardy. Yes. is that exact same concept that, you know, just like a bank account, every time you put deposits in that compound interest builds, the same is true with our health, our life, our relationships. When we do the small daily things every day, it builds up. And at first it doesn't look like much of a difference, right? At first it doesn't look like it's really getting us anywhere, but you track that over time, like you were sharing, and you're going to see a big change. You know, they, they talk about, you know, if, if a plane or a boat or something was one degree off on, you know, their direction they were going by the time they, you know, they travel across the United States, they would be hundreds of miles, you know, away from what their original destination was. And so sometimes it's just those very little things. So, Yeah. So that question is just, what can I do today? Right. What's that one, what's one thing that I can do in this direction. And what I find is once you start doing that, it it builds that momentum because you start, even if you don't see any results, you feel that you feel good about it. Right. And that makes you want to keep, to keep doing more of that. Well, and it speaks to awareness again, because even if it's like, let's say the way you start off your day, you get out for a walk or you make a, you know, breakfast that nourishes and you feel great about if, if you let it register, if you're aware of it, it can fuel more positive behaviors. And no one's talking about perfection here. Nobody. It's not that. But it's just inching forward, you know, and, and noticing. Because I think that in order for behaviors to stick, we need to notice what makes us feel good so that there is motivation on those days where maybe, the let's say you weigh yourself once a week. Maybe that scale says something that is dispiriting, but you've been working your butt off. Well, how have I felt this past week as I've eaten more of a plant-based diet or I've moved my body more or I've hydrated more? Motivation is a tricky little stinker, right? It comes and goes and sometimes Mm -hmm. it's nowhere to be found. 
But if we notice things, we can reinforce those positive behaviors, even the small ones, to keep us moving in that direction so that it can turn into habits and a way we live versus when am I getting off this dang diet or when can I stop Mm -hmm. this routine? That mindset Mm -hmm. is going to be limiting as well. Because then again, we're binary, we're in or we're out versus this is how I'm working to live. Yeah. Yeah. I was creating a lifestyle and uh, working towards that. And going back to the Olympic analogy, I'm sure there were days when those Olympic athletes did not feel like getting up. They did not feel like working out. They did not feel like making the healthy choice when everyone around them was, was not, but they chose to do it unmotivated. They chose to do it, whether they felt like it or not, because they had that goal in front of them and they knew that was the next step to getting there. So Absolutely love this. We could talk all day long about these things. And I hope that we just continue the conversation and uh, inside of the Facebook group. Um, I, I like to have more conversations around the topics uh, that we talk about as well, just to get us making it real, right. And getting into our lives. So tell us a little bit more before we go about your podcast and what you're doing with it and just who that's for. And then, you know, anything else that, you know, would be great for people to know about you or how you serve and how to get in touch with you. Okay. Well, before I do that, I just want to, since we're tossing out book titles and I, I, there might be some listeners who are like me, that this is where I get some of my best advice is that I would also look into the books of Charles Duhigg, D-U-H-I-G-G and BJ Fogg is another researcher in the behavior change area. They all kind of complement one another. They all have their different approaches towards behavior change, but they have interesting nuances that I notice with myself and with my clients that certain things resonate with certain people, whether it's a style Mm -hmm. or a a vernacular or, you know, what have you. So these are just other resources to check out in case our, your listeners are interested. Fantastic. But okay. To the pod. So basically my, one of my besties uh, nudged me into starting this pod several years back and I was a reluctant podcaster because, you know, we had full plates and lots going on, but the motivation behind PATH, Positive Approaches to Health, the podcast, is that we wanted to make sure people knew there were positive things going on out in the health world. Again, messaging can be tough to decipher. There is a lot of bad news when it comes to health. So we wanted to point to the good news. And that means this virtual road trip that we're on, crisscrossing the United States, and now we've been to other countries, meeting, you know, inspiring, interesting, resourceful people around the world that are showing us there are positive things you can do that can impact your health. So we have these conversations, much like the one you're having with your guests and with between the two of us today, but really talking through like you started off, what is the path of our guest? You know, how did they get to where they are? Why is this work so important to them? And then what do they have to offer, whether it's a book or a program or what have you? And so basically our goal is that our listeners are, by listening and enjoying these conversations, building a toolbox for health, meaning plucking out what they like from what we talk about, trying new things and putting it in their toolbox so that they can have varied tools for different parts of areas of their life, whether it's mental health, spiritual, physical, and Jenny, my co-host and I are having the time of our lives. Oh, so, so fun. I absolutely love that. So I will make sure to link to your podcast down in the show notes so that people can go and listen and be sure to follow because it's one of those things that if I have a little bit of downtime for me, here's what I do with podcasts. 
it's either when I'm getting ready in the morning, because that's just, you know, mindless time, right? Stick in your bud or put it on speaker or when I'm working in the kitchen. So maybe I'm preparing a meal, maybe I'm cleaning up dishes. Uh, maybe I'm mopping the floors. You know, I always try to put something in and get that inspiration and get that information coming in. And so I love when yours pops up with a new episode and, oh, where are we going today? And who are we going to hear from? And you never know, you know, and, and oftentimes I will send, I will send a link to a friend and say, Hey, you need to listen to this episode. I listened to this and thought of you. Um, so I love that you're sharing those resources. And, and I just think it's a great platform. Uh, to be able to just get information out and help people to be inspired about different areas of life. So thank you for sharing that for sure. Um, I will go ahead and since we've been talking about habits, you know, I'm really big on, you know, just putting some healthy keys into your day to make sure that you're, you are on a healthy track. And like you said, it's not about perfection. It's about progression. So I've put together a healthy day guide. I will drop the link to that down in the comments if anyone wants to grab that. And just, you know, you don't have to do every idea in there. Like I say, pick one to start with. And then get that to be a habit, and then you can pick another one. Uh, but hopefully, that will inspire you know some healthy habits coming out as well. So before we go, uh, what would be one last thing that you would say to a woman who's listening right now, who's just she's at that like I'm just exhausted on this path, you know, place? What would you say to her? Oh wow! First of all, I, I would want to put my arm around her because I think right? that as women. I think it's getting better every day, but as women, I believe that the best we can do is be real and share and show grace and, and um, support for one another. So if someone's struggling, I will say, I know one of the things I do every morning is I just sort of check in with myself. I have a brief meditation. It's super clunky. Don't think I have it figured out people. Cause <laughs> I don't, but before I get out of bed, I just connect with myself and I just say, you know, Thank you. Thank you for this day. Uh, I ask for grace for myself and mm -hmm. for me to extend grace to others. Um, I try to be a, you know, a good person and, and do my best. Um, but all of these allow for me to show up where I am and just give it the best I have and, and allow for the messy bits because that's mm -hmm. part of life as well. But I think just um, for women, if we just open up our hearts and show our vulnerabilities and share, I honestly think this is one of the best things of being in my, started in my late forties and now I'm in my mid fifties. I feel such a collective and, and I, I'm so grateful for it. I'm finding an inspiring and, and supportive women everywhere I look. And so again, maybe pop a earbud in and listen to a great conversation and see if that would fuel you. But I will say this, you know, hang in there because um, I think these curvy parts on our path are challenging, but we'll, we'll get there. Oh, I absolutely love that. And I, I know that was an inspiration to someone right now. So thank you for sharing that. And what I love most about this path are the people along the way, because you're not alone. And there are others that are also on that path. And you may be the one who's got the, the energy and the encouragement to help them along. And they may be the ones that are helping you along and you may be limping along together, but that's, you know, that's the beauty of doing this, not on our own, but doing this together. So thank you, Tony, so much for being so generous with your heart and your, your wisdom and your insight today. I just, I really appreciate you and what you're doing. And thank you everyone who listened today. I um, trust that this added value for you and that you will come back to this conversation and share it with some people that you know. Thanks so much for listening today. It means the world to me that we could spend this time together. 
And I can't wait for you to join in the conversations afterwards in our new Facebook group, Women Repurposed After 40, where you can hang out with me, our fantastic podcast guests, and amazing women like you wanting to live repurposed too. Just click the link in the show notes while it's top of mind. And if you enjoyed this episode or think it would be helpful for other women in this stage of life, please leave a review at podchaser.com or right here on this platform. I'd love to hear your thoughts on what we talked about today or what you'd like us to talk about in the future. So send questions, comments, or suggestions in a message to Lissa Figgins on any platform. And until next time, remember, keep rethinking your priorities to create a life you love.